Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everybody. Mike Avila here with another installment of Behind the Panel, the podcast docuseries from Sci-Fi Wire dedicated to all things comics. Hopefully this podcast gives you a few minutes to clear your head and think about something that puts a smile on all our faces, comic books. Our podcast show will sound a little different for a while because we're following the crucial stay-at-home plan. So rather than being in a recording studio, I come to you from my humble, comics-filled abode. Our guest today has worked his tail off, both in the creator-owned field and also as part of the DC Comics stable of writers. He's become a master of the big comics event, thanks to Justice League vs. Suicide Squad and The Button. He's also established himself as one of the most important creators in the history of The Flash. Let's talk comics with Josh Williamson. How has this whole situation been for you? I mean, you work from home anyway, but uh, you have two kids? Yeah, two. In terms of work, I get into my office before 8 a.m. and I'm basically working from like 8 to 6 anyway. That hasn't changed at all, right? Deal with phone calls, do the whole thing. The biggest changes, I mean, there's obviously a lot of stuff on our minds. It's very different. That's obviously, you know, you got to push through that to kind of just get your work done. Obviously, my family is here all the time and editorial because they're all at home right now. We've been super productive. We do a lot of stuff like this now, you know, before you would just do conference calls, but now we're doing a lot of like FaceTime, a lot of stuff with Skype. It's really interesting. A lot of the conversations we're having have been really encouraging and really positive. For the most part, I actually have more work right now than I thought I was going to have. So a lot of my stuff suddenly became accelerated versus being pushed back. I haven't had anything that's like straight up delayed a year or anything like that. There were some things with Nailbiter that obviously are getting moved around because we were bringing the book back. So things like that are being pushed, but I'm still working. And that's part of the thing when you're working as far ahead as we do on some of the stuff. Like, do we stop working? No, we'll just keep going. Your time on Flash, you've done so much to add to the mythology. Is that one of the primary responsibilities for a creator when you come on a book like Flash? Yeah, I mean, look at Mark Wade. Mark Wade, obviously the biggest contribution he did, I think two, you could say, are the Speed Force and then Bart. Those two things are such huge parts of the Flash mythology. And Max, and he started you know, bringing in kind of the idea of a Flash family. Before that, it didn't really exist. So yeah, when you're coming on the Flash, you kind of have to. Like any book, you really need to do that. Grant Morrison has said that when you come on a book, you're supposed to give your characters a birth and a death, like a rebirth and a death or a return or an end. That's how you have these longer runs. Where are you in your master plan for all the things you've got laid out for Flash? It's hard to get into some of this stuff without getting into spoilers, but I will say that I am definitely closer to the end of the story than I am in the beginning at this point. Like in terms of the story I want to do, I'm long past the halfway point. Right now, we're in the middle of a story called The Flash Age, and The Flash Age is going to help set up some of the next couple of stories that we're doing, the next couple of arcs. I think by the time we get past Flash Age, the next story we're doing immediately after that is called Legion of Zoom. I think once we'll start getting a Legion of Zoom, you're going to kind of see, like, oh, yeah, he is definitely getting closer to the end. 
And it's crazy I've been able to do this big story the way I went to. Sometimes I can't believe it. It's so nutty. I mean, when I first got the job, I was like, if I could be on this book for 12 issues, that would be like the greatest thing ever. And now here I am. I'm pretty far in. I'm close to 100 at this point. You have a reputation for being somebody who excels at the, what did you call it once? The comic book summer blockbuster. Justice League, Suicide Squad, The Button. Batman Superman seems a great fit for you in that regard. Ra's al Ghul and General Zod. Do you get free reign to bring in who you want to bring in for a book like this? first arc was kind of built over years. DC had come up with this idea for the infected. And so we had talked to them a bit about what they wanted and the characters they wanted. And for me, I was mostly interested in writing Batman and Superman hanging out. Like them on a detective story, them doing like detective stuff kind of in a horror-ish story, but it's also still blockbuster action. That's the stuff I was interested in. We started having this conversation with the editors of just like, all right, who are characters that you guys like, villains that you guys like that we can play with? And that has been for every story arc we have done. So seven and eight, it's Zod and Rayshaw Ghoul. Paul Kaminsky, the editor, we both like Atomic Skull a lot. So we were like, all right, how can we do something really different with Atomic Skull? All right, well, here's what I want. Atomic Skull, but I also want to use Ultra Fanite because no one's used Ultra Fanite in a long time. Can I use him? They're like, yes, all right, cool. And then we have something coming up with Mixie and Batmite. We just kept on going from there. And that's how it always is. I'm like, what are these villains that we want to see? The one that we just did with Zod and Rachel, it was only two issues. The one that is Atomic Skull and Ultra Manite, that one is only three issues. Then we have an arc after that that I can't talk about yet because they haven't announced it yet. But then there's an arc after that that I'm really excited about. There's a lot of cool stuff we have coming. I kind of like that they're shorter issues. It's almost like the modern version of a DC Presents or Brave and the Bold. The one and done era is long past, but I think there's still value in telling more condensed stories. That's one of the things with this book is that when you're doing a book that stars Batman and Superman, you also have to consider there are multiple Batman books. You know, you have Detective, you have Batman, you have Batman the Outsiders. There's all these other books over here doing Batman stuff. And over here, you have all these Superman books. But then you also have like Supergirl and Legion of Superheroes, like stuff that involves super characters. And then you have Justice League. So doing the shorter arcs actually allows us to kind of play around what's going on. Is a lot of the weekly reads you're doing almost de facto research? The further away I am from a DC book, the more likely I am to kind of enjoy it, you know. But I still read a lot of the DC stuff and I still really enjoy it. The issue where Mara had the baby in Aquaman, I actually saw Kelly Sue in person. I was like, oh, you got me. I didn't think you were going to get me, but you got me. That's a situation where I knew it was coming. But still, when I read it, it was so well done. I still read a lot of Marvel stuff, a lot of image stuff and different smaller publishers and all that's for fun. It all depends on if I'm in my office. That's always the thing. If I'm in my office, then it's kind of tough to like, oh, I'm going to sit down. I'm just going to enjoy this, you know. But if it's like a lazy Sunday, this is how it's been. Yes, we're quarantined right now. We just had this baby three months ago. I've basically been quarantined for three months. <laughs> yeah. I never leave this house already. I was already washing my hands like a maniac long before it became a thing. The moment that baby was born was go wash your hands. So we were already in that zone of always washing our hands and never leaving the house. I used to joke with people, the only time I ever left my house was to go to the grocery store or go to the airport to go to like DC Comics or go to a convention. That was it. I just cut out those two things and I'm like, all right, cool. I'm just going to sit here and keep working. We'll be back with more from Josh Williamson right after these short messages. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. 
Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome back to Behind the Panel. Let's get back to my conversation with Josh Williams. Have you been able to catch up on any film or TV show that's been in your DVR for a while? Let me tell you this. I had a moment. You see this thing online where people were like, oh, I want to catch up on this book. I'm going to watch this show. I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to play all these board games. And I was like, oh, yeah, me too, me too. And then I'm like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm still here. I'm still in the same room working the same thing I do every day. And now we have, you know, obviously my daughter, who's only four, and then the baby. When I leave this room and I go into dad mode, it's like cook dinner, hang out with the kids, clean house, hang out with the baby. There's no time. I end up watching like snippets of things. Right now, there's this documentary on Netflix about Tiger King, right? I'm watching that in like 15 minute increments. That is it. You know, you're like, all right, cool. I'm going to watch a little bit of this. It takes me a week to two episodes of something. If you're holding the baby and all three wakes up, you're not going to sit there and keep watching Turkey with this little baby. Actually, before all of this, when the baby was first born, I think he was like a week or two old. He fell asleep in my chest in the living room and my wife was asleep. And I was like, what am I going to watch right now? He is passed out. So I'm not going to move him. And I ended up watching Us, the horror movie Us. Oh my goodness. And I had a blast. I really liked it. I hadn't seen it. So I caught up on a movie. And my wife walked in at one point in her haze. She heard like the screaming from the screen. <laughs> and she walked in and she looked at the screen and she was like, what are you doing? Like you're watching this with the baby. I'm like, he's asleep. He's fine. This is fine. And after that was over, it was really late. So I was like, I'll put something else on. So I put on Look Who's Talking. And there's a part in that where the baby starts crying and Look Who's Talking. And my wife came in again. And I was like, oh, do you think the baby was crying? She was like, no, I thought you were still watching Us. And they were like killing a baby or something in Us. And I was like, no, no, no. It's just Look Who's Talking. <laughs> my daughter actually was going to preschool every day. She's home all the time. She's not quite four yet. She's like super into Star Wars now out of nowhere. She knows a lot of Star Wars stuff and she tells us Star Wars stories, even though she's never really seen Star Wars. So this weekend, we actually sat down, we watched. But what happened was I was cleaning on Saturday morning and they were all having breakfast. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to put on Phantom Menace. So I put Phantom Menace on and I'm just cleaning. I'm not really paying attention. My daughter walks in the room and she's never seen any Star Wars, but she knows what Star Wars is. Like she's been to Galaxy's Edge, but never seen Star Wars. So she understands Star Wars as a thing. She goes, is this Star Wars? I looked at her and I stopped Phantom Menace and I put on New Hope. And I was like, yes, it's Star Wars. <laughs> and then she came over and we watched New Hope. That was her first time. So she really liked New Hope. And then we got through half of Empire. They're on their way to Cloud City. And we stopped there just so we could, you know, get back to life and stuff. But this weekend, we're going to finish Empire. We're going to watch Return of the Jedi. What was funny is I'm sitting there watching Star Wars with her. And she'll look at me and she'll be like, where's Rey at? Where's BB-8 at? Because she knows from toys and books and stuff. I have a friend that works for Disney Publishing, and when the baby was born, he sent us all his Star Wars stuff. Because we have all these like Star Wars golden books. She knows a lot of the characters, but doesn't know the story. So it's really interesting watching Star Wars with her. It's pretty fun. She's funny because in one of her books, there's a part in the book where they talk about Darth Vader being Luke's dad. She understands that, but she doesn't believe it. She's like, no, he's not. 
So it's really funny, like sitting there with her and be like, oh, really? Why do you think that? That's been a lot of fun. Let me tell you, you switching Phantom Menace to a new hope is your best parenting move ever. Okay. <laughs> I told that story to another friend of mine who has kids that are around the same age. And he said all his kids, they liked those movies better than the original trilogy. I totally get it. Still the right move. <laughs> Let her watch those afterwards. I'm not sure when we're going to get to those. I mean, she's such a little kid. I feel like Empire and Return are fine. And then we can watch Force Up. But it's weird, right? Because when you look at Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace has a little more kid stuff in it. Because there's like a kid in it, you know? There's the pod racing. Kids like to see other kids in the movies. I'm not sure when I would show her Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. Attack of the Clones is uh, not violent, but Revenge of the Sith is kind of violent. Especially to the ending where he like kills the younglings and all that stuff. I'm like, nah. Because she is interesting. Like She understands a lot of the stuff that's going on. And she thinks Darth Vader is scary. Like He's a bad guy. I think that's why she's like, oh, she doesn't believe that Darth Vader is his father because in her mind, like, daddies are good people. They're not bad guys. So that's part of it. But also the idea that, like, this little boy, this little Anakin, she knows that. So she understands that Anakin becomes Darth Vader. She understands that math. So the idea this little kid becomes Darth Vader, I think, is still kind of weird to her. You know, like, she hasn't quite processed that information yet. We were sitting there talking about a lot of this stuff with Star Wars with her. And she was talking about Darth Vader and not liking Darth Vader. And I was like, did you know you met Darth Vader? She was like, what? And I pulled out my phone, all these pictures of her at Galaxy's Edge meeting Darth Vader and Chewbacca and all this stuff. It was really funny. It was interesting just talking about like the math of Star Wars with three and a half year old that's like coming together in their head. It's like fascinating to watch. And that is the thing about this quarantine, the isolation. You've been able to find time for that. Many thanks to Josh Williamson for taking some time to talk with us. Next time you're able to place an order with your local comic shop, read Josh's creator-owned book, Birthright. You'll dig it, I promise. Time for my friendly reminder that you can listen to more killer behind the panel podcasts. All you have to do is subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts. Also head to YouTube and subscribe to the Sci-Fi Wire channel for more comic book videos than you can imagine. Big thanks to my behind the panel podcast team, executive producer Matt Romano, producer, composer, and editor Paul Terry, and mixer and masterer Dave Draper. And I'm your host, Mike Avila. Coming up on our next episode, we talk to Batgirl writer Cecil Castellucci. And until then, stay safe, wash those hands, and keep reading.